Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings, Mexico Open, DraftKings Picks, Final Bets, One and Done, The Weather, we got it all for you. No Listener's League this week. That will return next week on the Pat Mayo Experience, along with the full complement of shows. If you missed the Custies, shame on you. They came out on Monday. Highly recommend that you sit down and just have it on in the background, laugh your ass off for a while, because it was a lot of fun. People really seemed to enjoy it. Lots of laughs. And the sitcom bracket ends... Well, actually, voting ends on the first round tomorrow, but the final show, breaking down the last region with me, Sia, and Cust. His, Sia's most difficult test yet, getting through Cust in a lot of this, where Cust has, like, he, he's not, he gets discombobulated with Sia's takes. It's pretty awesome. Hopefully, we'll have some draft stuff coming up at the end of the week, uh, you know, because Rodgers got traded, the Jets are making picks, the Chargers are making picks, but more on that then. Tambo, you're back in studio. How are you? We do well. Should be a great show. You're you're coming off vacation. I'm currently speaking of free agency and drafts in free, <laughs> in vacation mode. So excited to talk some Mexico Open, the John Rom Open, if you will. But should be should be a good week. We're back to a little bit more regular golf. I know last week some folks took the week off with the Zurich and all that stuff. But uh, Harley, sorry Harley R- Riley and Hardy got the job done. Two guys that I usually bet individually did not bet them as a team, Pat. So that let me down. Yeah, it's no good. No. So I made some bets completely i mean i've been doing a ton of research and getting a lot of second place finishes no winners so i was like this week i'm just not even really gonna look at anything i'm just gonna bet the names that i like i know what do i know about this course well rom won last year with a d plus effort over my guy kitayama who i was gonna cash a big number on didn't happen so i'm just gonna go with driving distance and guys that have played well at like corrales like guys who play well at resort courses putt well on these slow greens and drive it a mile so I had Martin Trainer here last year, so I bet him again. Got to go. Got to go with Martin Trainer, two hundred and fifty to one. Batia, hundred and fifty. Higo, oh, I knew it. Sixty. Well, yeah, you got to. It's the spot though. It might be the spot. I said this on Monday with Kenny. I said I think I'm, I might be with Pat for once. On really, this, you on think this, this might be the spot for Higo? That's great news. Like Paul, Paul talked me into Andrew Novak at one hundred and fifty <laughs> to one. These are all with five places, by the way. Okay. In uh, just my sheer terror of Rom, Carson Young was the other one that I bet. Yeah, don't mind it. He should have won one of the stupid crossover <laughs> events, and he didn't. Better than Cameron Young a lot of times when we're tra- shot tracking, so you got to keep well, the see youngs in the mix. It's true. So those are the bets, uh, and Guido overseas at yes. 50. I actually like that one, too. He's back in the Guido zone. 50 yeah. to like 80 to 1 is where you want to be betting Guido. So did you bet anyone? I bet uh, Hoygaard at 40 okay. to start the week. I think Feinberg posted it. I did like that number. And then, I don't know, I don't think I'll get to Matthews on – DraftKings, just because it seems like he's going to get at least a little bit popular down. Not that I care that much. He won't get popular enough. But he was like 200 to 1. So I bet him, and then I just left it. I'm not really feeling much this week. I'm liking some of those numbers. I did bet Guido, if we're talking a different tour. Like you said, I got got that one with you. And uh, the one you like with Higo, I don't know if I could get there on the betting number, but I'll definitely be playing him in DraftKings this week. Yeah, $8,300 on DraftKings. It's just fair. And we'll talk, obviously, the ROM situation is the big one. Weather, if we, you know, it's not a big factor right now, but I think weather at this course can be a thing, so there's something to look at there, but nothing well, I see major as far as wins go. Yeah, I was looking at it as well. I didn't see much. Yeah, I don't see much. I would say for sure I'm definitely going to have some PMAM stacks any week that there's nothing like this, and the fact that the wind does pick up here usually in the afternoons, it can change in a heartbeat, anything like that. So I like that because I always talk about it from the mentality aspect of the golfers that go out. Again, it's a, it's a weaker field, all that stuff. The guys that go out on Thursday afternoon – put themselves in a good spot or even if they're out of it a little bit they just go out no pressure on friday morning 
get the score. Anyone who shows up to the course, and if those wins are just picking up a little bit even, and they say, oh, I got to put this number on the board, sometimes there's that little bit of extra pressure that gets added. So I like the PMAM a little bit myself just to have at this course because it, it worked like crazy last year too. There was some weather back and forth even without big wins. Now the decision we need to make, one and done yeah. for the week. We're slipping. We're out of the money now after – Winning like ten grand for three weeks. Now, now we're not doing anything. <laughs> I'll never financially recover from this, Tiger yeah. King. I ho- hopefully, I can. Yeah. Hopefully, I can make a comeback from this. So okay. we don't have Rom. Would you use Rom here? There's no like at this event. No, probably not. I mean, it's again if you have them winning and everyone does, and the without Rom markets and all that stuff people are talking about, then sure, put them in and get, yeah, but, take but, your win and get your money. But but, it's, but even if he wins, it's, do you want to burn him at this one? That's worth one fifth. What a big event. That's why I'm saying I wouldn't because of like you said, there's actually this year with all those designated events. It's not just like last year when it was okay, biggest players prize pool ever plus the majors. Got to make your choices there. We have lots of options this week, this year. Sorry, so there, this would not be the week for me. Maverick McNeely is only. He's like the second most used guy in one and actually Finau and Rom. Forty-seven percent of people have Rom left. Fifty-six percent of people have Finau left. Seventy-four percent have Maverick McNeely left, and like that's it. Yeah, like everyone else like a hundred percent. Who's so we, everyone else hundred percent? Oh, I thought you were gonna say the opposite way. I was gonna say that that seems crazy, but yeah. So what are you thinking up top? Higo. Huh, I don't. I definitely can't do that. Okay. I, I assume Woodland is very popular this week. Yeah, I wore my Puma gear just for Woodland just week. Just for Woodland? Yeah, everyone says it's Woodland week. Where's Ricky? Uh, he's not here. He's playing better, though. He's got to give him some credit. He's, he is doing some stuff. So you like Hoygaard. Why not Wyndham Clark? Yeah, Bomber, I, I, I do like Wyndham. I actually, we'll talk about Wyndham anyway, but this is a good spot to do it. I think we could use him. I, I, what do you see wrong with him? I see nothing. And I think what ends up happening now, just translating quickly to DraftKings in two seconds, people say, oh, but he's 20% on DraftKings. Yeah, but if Rom's 40 and if Finau's 25 or if Rom's 50 and Finau's 28 or whatever you want to put your numbers on it, why not just play Clark and then you can do whatever you want after that and just skip out on those two guys at the top. Hey, you can play John Rahm and do whatever you want after it. You, you can too, but I'm saying in the sense of I think what only thing that people are saying that's scaring them on Clark is ownership on DraftKings. Who cares? Now, but the other the reason I'll say it too everyone's, is... Everyone's going to be over 20%. Rom, Finau, Clark, Woodland's probably going to be over 20%. Like you're not going to play those, any I think of those I think they'll all be... I think it's just like Finau, Rom, and maybe Woodland. Like you said, maybe Clark, like they get to touch it, but I think up top it's just going to be those two and then it will spread out afterwards. But... The other thing about Clark is his number's horrible. If you go look at his betting number, so now switching gears over to that for a second, doesn't it just feel like that too? No one was betting Wyndham Clark at 20 to 1 or 15 to 1, and if he wins, then who cares? Well, you might care when he crosses out all your other bets and just gets the job done. Been playing better golf, so I actually do like Wyndham quite a bit, regardless of anything. I'd be fine with him. All right, let's use Wyndham Clark. How much much, uh, was the, you said the ownership was high on him. What what was the ownership on a guy like Mav or Patrick Rogers? Those are two other guys I kind of like in there. In one and done? Yeah. Uh, Mav's been used by 25% of the field already. Damn. So That's interesting, too. I'm assuming Clark is not used at all by anyone. Clark is 95% available. Because he's going to be really... It's not that it matters. Play who you like and who's going to win. But I just think that was the other interesting one. I thought you brought him up in the beginning for a reason. Mav. I'd be between those two, Mav and Clark. Why do you like Mav so much? I just think it's a better spot for him. I think in general, we're talking like... Again, I'm going off DFS reasonings and, and playing him there. But just in general... It looks like that upper range is going to be more popular. And it would not surprise me to see Mav come out here and do a little bit better, be able to find that putter, go out and score. I got no problem with him that I think he's good for DFS. But if he's less owned, to your point, in one and done, if you if people aren't playing ROM and you think they aren't for the reason you said at the top, and then if they don't have Finau, because a lot of the like, Finau could have been used plenty of times, he's lower as well, I think they go to Clark or would Woodland. You, would you just use, like, are you saving Finau for anywhere? No, I'm using Finau I, on mine. This week on my main one that's in like 300th place or something. I'm, I'm using Vina. Okay. 
The other one I was looking at was Matt Wallace, who I might end up betting anyway. I know that he just won in Corrales, but when you just look at his splits, this is the weirdest splits you can look at. Between designated events and non-designated events, he is awesome in non-designated events. He has not made a cut in a designated event. Yeah. something. Heritage, like miscut. Genesis, miscut. Phoenix, miscut. And the other one's 29th, 7th, 1st, and 28th. Almost like strength of field matters, Pat. A little so, bit. So, a little bit. He doesn't feel the pressure of the big names coming at him. It's, I think it's a thing, for sure. And that's why, you know, the Kitayama factor, we talked to, you know, when he ended up getting his win and getting over the hump, it was like, look at how many times he'd been right in the mix with other big names. It was not that he was afraid of them. It just didn't come through and work out. Now it finally did, and a huge win for him. So, yeah, I would go with Clark. I'm fine with it. I think it's whatever. People are going to use him. Let's just use him. Okay. DraftKings. The earliest we've gotten to DraftKings in a while. Well, I think our debate because of one of them was easier this week. A little bit, yeah. It was, I really don't care about it. It's also it. the Mexico Open. It is the Mexico Open. I just came from Mexico, so yeah. maybe I have some insight. Do you have some tidbits? Yeah. Well, I, I was on the uh, the other part of Mexico, so okay. that's probably not really helping. Tiger Woods' first design course is going to be in Cabo, as I found out. Oh, that's nice. It's not open. I, I love Cabo. It's, it's the best. It's, it's quite nice. It's the best, yeah. I had a great time. But, okay, wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes or no? And is that like a, a thing we have to do? Or is it like, hey, play 50% of your lineups with ROM, 50% without ROM, and then like you're good? Or is it like full fade, full go? This is where I, f- that's my thing. And I was trying to think of the best way to articulate it today and talk about it with you and go through it because I know it's going to be a conversation, the one that everybody's waiting on when we come in here. But it, I'm not going to play b- both sides. I'm going to tell you how, what I'm going to do and you can do what you want to do. But I think a lot of people say with ROM, you have to be all in or fade because he's 50% ownership. You just have to make that decision. I've talked about this plenty of times. There's going to be a lot in, with it. If Rom's 50%, we're just going to throw a number out there. I have met like 48 right now because I think leaning to the under on the 50 is mainly just because I think there's enough narratives people can say, even though some of this could be positives, but when they say, oh, he just won the Masters, he's only here because he's the defending champion, he's played a lot more lately, all that. Well, that could be that he's in form, he's crushing it right now, and he's a great golfer, and this is a good course for him. You could put it both ways, but I think when people lean to that narrative, it's more to go on the underweight side. But the one thing I will say, Pat, is that at the 48, let's just say, I think there's going to be a lot of bad ROM lineups. And what I mean by that is people that play a bunch of the other chalk, they land in the same zones as everybody. The roster construction is very similar. And that's where you put yourself in a hole because even if ROM wins, and we saw this last year, ROM won, there was people out there with non-ROM lineups, not John rom lineups, non-ROM lineups. I, I, I was one of those people. I had a Kitayama, Finau, Martin Trainer, someone yeah. else. And it was like, it was there. It and was then, there. And then ROM got to first. And I went, boop. Yeah. Not like by a terrible amount, but yeah. not, so many people had ROM that it was like, oh, great. But that will happen. And so that's why I say in the MME streets, I have no problem just being underweight on ROM and building my... What I do at these tournaments too, I want to frame in two things real quick here. One, I take my stands down low. I don't care if a guy's 5% at 6,800 and, and I'm taking him, I might have 20% of him. So that's my stand. So I want some of those lineups in with John Rahm because that's not the same as everybody else is setting them up very likely based on his low ownership down below and the guys I mix in between. And the second point would be is, is the bigger one, Pat, is when you go to the higher dollar, smaller fields, that's where the Rom ownership gets out of control. Obviously, the higher his ownership, the worse the play because it's easier to take the other side, hope for a T12, a 15th, something like that. It just doesn't pan out. And you go back to your example from last year where even when he won, you were right there and still so close. So I think in the higher dollar, smaller fields, I'm more apt to just go completely off of him. Look for these other builds where I said, even if Clark is higher owned, oh, he's a bad play against a guy like 
people will say against Matt McNeely. Matt McNeely's cheaper and half the ownership. Why don't you just play him? Well, you're allowed to play both. And if you're fading up top, you're already at lower ownership anyway. So that's how I look at it from that perspective. The perspective of using Rom underweight in MME is I think I might still be at field or overweight. Good John Rom lineups in the sense that I'm not playing against everybody. I, I at least have these outs to get me there and leverage me up the board in my John Rom lineups as opposed to others building with John Rom, then Wyndham Clark, then Steven Yeager, then Brandon Matthews, or whatever these lineups end up looking like where people have all the same guys that are the flavor of the week at this tournament. Okay, so I think I've built what I think is going to be, I don't know if it's going to be the most chalky lineup, but it's going to be a pretty chalky lineup. Let me get this up here one second. Start, so starting with Rom? It starts with Rom. Okay. I mean, if, if 50% should, of the field is going to use Rom, then yeah, yeah. got to think you got to start with Rom. So it's Rom, Ben Martin, Steven Yeager. Okay. Both IC carrying double-digit ownership. You can go find the real-time ownerships on fantasynational.com slash mayo to get yourself that 20% off. Okay, thank you. So those three with Batia, Brent Grant, and Nunez. Why is everyone on Nunez? I don't think they are. They're not? Okay, good. No. Well, see, I mean, people are, but I'm just saying not like what we... I think that's another thing that needs to be clear up front on this is that it's Rom by a large margin, super gap, then Finau, then Gap, then you're few guys in there from 15 to 20 and and there are 18 to 20 if you want to call it that like you mentioned earlier if it's the woodlands the Hoygards, the um, clarks just using some of the guys up top but and, and then your will gordons and your ones like that but after that it's really spread out so i do like will gordon yeah i think a lot of people do he's a good price he's a good play i think there's an interesting note though from roster construction perspective where i think it's gordon i'll have it up here in a second but i think it's gordon list list and bramlett are all right there you could try and play all three. You could try and play two of them, whatever, but you could also just fade that range completely and hope that they bomb out in the other way. I know people are playing them because they are bombers, but that's another thing that I think is a little bit overblown this week in the sense that we saw a bunch of bombers up there last year. But if you look at the top, there was the, there was Ches Reevy was up there. People are using him this week too. So give me a lot more time. Rom, Batia, Grant. Rom, Batia, Grant, Nunez. Yep. Jagger and Ben Martin. Jagger for sure, because he's going to be popular. And then Martin. Who looks like he's going to be pretty popular as well. I think so as well. All right, we got something to go off of here. And yeah, definitely looks popular. The Brent Grant ownership and stuff won't translate yeah, but, on some places, but I think it will in general when we get there. Yeah, like at least yeah, something. I, I don't think he'll be 10%, but I mean, you could change him to Brian Matthews if you want, or Brandon Matthews, sorry, if you wanted to. Yeah. That fits, and you could get Ben Martin up to 88 to Bohan. Eh, ben Martin's going to be more owned than Putnam and Hostler, so... Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good setup to go off of. I think if we go back for just a second to now look at this $7,900 range we just talked about. Well, that skips all those guys. Yeah, that's what I want to see here, though. But, I, I mean, I see, like, so Will Gordon and probably Bramlett because he usually gets the love more than List lately especially. So if you go, like, Bramlett, what does this do? If you go Bramlett. We'll just take out Martin. I'm just trying to get Gordon in there because I think more than that is where he becomes popular. So if you go Bramlett, Gordon, Jaeger, Rom, what does that leave us? 7,000. See what I mean? Like you could still get in this range. Who was the other guy you said? Martin? Yeah, you could actually go, if you use those, you could go Batia Matthews if you wanted to. Yeah, let's see that lineup. How much is Matthews? 67? Yeah, Matthews 66. 66. So that works out perfectly. Yeah, that projects 12 more than what we just had as well. So that's probably a another version of it i would say for sure and that's what i was trying to say earlier pat is like it looks like if people go rom they drop down and this is why you'll end up in these similar builds with that bramlett gordon list area 
probably Jaeger in a lot of those lineups because Rom Jaeger just works. And then, yeah, people will be able to still get different in that 6K range, but that's where it just becomes a little bit of a game of roulette and whoever has the best MME player pool that goes with that while you're down there. That, that's really what it is. And that's why I'm taking my stands down there and I want my guys to fit into some ROM lineups that I have there. So that's why it'll be built that way. I just, there's no way I can get to the number on if he's 50%. Like I'm just not going to have that of him here and I'm just going to take my chances. Roll the dice. Roll the dice. Hmm. Okay. So let's build a fun lineup then. All right. No ROM. No ROM. Where do you want to start? You want to start with Wyndham Clark? Or do you want to start with Fina? We could try Fina first, just work our way down, then we'll go to the Clark ones next. Fina. Fina has pretty significant savings. Not like super significant, but enough. That was another discussion this week, right quick, but I mean, I'm not sure your take on it. Obviously, the, we wish he was more. Like 12K makes no sense when he was 11-8 at the players. I know it's, and it's even a stronger field, but there's more guys. The 6K, the reason that makes some sense because the guys in the 6K are playable here, not so much. The difference is, though, is like... If I he, mean, I don't think that the guys in the 6K range are any less playable than they were at the players. Like, this we, field sucks. Like, if you look at, like, relative strength of field, yeah. the guys in the 6K range at the players have as equally difficult of a task to make the cut versus the 8k guys like are we really sweating let's take a just a random example robbie shelton eight thousand dollars versus trevor weberlow at sixty five hundred dollars like what would you say like they're to make the cut percentages like the gap between them it's not that big yeah. uh, i mean yeah definitely leaning shelton there but sure uh, I would you, say, you, yeah. would, you would probably lean the guy fifteen hundred dollars more but it's a lot different than like Tyrrell Hatton and Chez Revy at the players. Yeah, I use it more as a comparison like the players versus the U.S. Open. At the U.S. Open, the bottom is amateurs, qualifiers. Like, you can chop the list off. Sure. Here, I chopped off 40, 50 guys, no problem. But my point is just this. Like, DraftKings does this. It's okay. It is what it is. Everyone plays with the same puzzle. But they put 40 guys plus 6,300 to 6K. It's just, it's just saying, here's your bottom of the barrel. These are the losers. Go ahead. But they, if they had like a 5K Stoneman price you could actually have some disparity where Rom is 13K or 13.5 and make people make a decision then. There's still not much of a decision. We just built lineups that are easily seem good on paper with Rom at 12K. And that's that becomes a little bit of where we see the ownership boost. And then you have to make that decision. Who is this uh, Alejandro Tosti guy that uh, everyone seems to be betting? Yeah, re- really good on the Corn Ferry Tour lately. I think he's four top 25s. Maybe one of them was a T27 just coming in. I know people are going to him for sure. He's 6,500. Will he get... I don't know. I saw people betting him. So people are betting him for sure. Yeah, like all that stuff makes sense because if you go look at certain sites out there, they've got him projected higher, and so that's going to lead to ownership, lead to people jumping on the twenty to one markets, the forty top forty mark. Sorry, the top twenty or top forty markets, and then even like the each way bets. But I don't, we just still never see these six K guys get up to double digit ownership. Yeah, Again, you can make he, your call. He, he might be five percent. Yeah, you make your call. What you think of him <laughs> at five or six percent? But that's more where I see him coming in at now in the higher stake stuff. He's definitely a guy that I could see pushing it because people then can just easily go Rom, Toasty, fit whatever you want in the middle. And they're hoping that their 4v4 is better than the rest, realistically. But what happens, my point going to the high dollar stuff, that ends up being, oh, shit, this, I was wrong on this guy. Now it's my, what's my 3v3 like or my 2v2 look like or my very close, similar roster construction. You're not really gaining a lot of leverage in that stance. So that's why I have a problem with it in the higher stakes stuff. But, um, you know, if I have six lineups in something like the $125 FGWCQ, maybe I put Rom on one or two, and I'm still underweight to big time because if he's 60 or 70% in there, I don't really usually say it like that, but it's true. If he's on two of six, he's not on the majority. So I like Carson Young and Martin Trainer from the 6K range. So let's plug those guys Finau, in. now Young, and Trainer. That means I can attack this like 8K, 9K range 
and skip the Gordon and, and skip that range. Of so that, instead that of going area. to the Gordon list range, I can go Higo Wallace at 83 and 81, who I both really like this week, and then I can get Hoygaard at 95. Yeah, something like that is pretty interesting. And again, this will not project good. We don't care. We're yeah. saying why it is. But here's what people don't like. If you're not, if you're watching for the first time, or if you don't follow this, or what we're going through here is like again, Young and Trainer have really good cases to be made for potential plays. This is no different than if you can talk about Ches Reevy up at 7,700. That's a better example of like what you gave earlier. What's the difference between Martin Trainer shows up on these type of courses, could show up any given week. Literally showed up here last year. It's the same thing for cheaper with no ownership. And I'm not saying Reevy's going to be high owned. The point is. You can make a case for that. Carson Young. You could make a case that he is $200 cheaper than the Brent Grants, the, the guys that are down, the Ben Taylors, those that people are playing, the Kevin Tways. You're just playing him instead. He's been fine. He's got some form. He's, you can go to a guy like him. And now what you do, the next part that's so important, where people say, oh, I had the right pool. I didn't have the right roster construction. Well, you skipped List. You skipped Gordon. You skipped Jaeger. And you skipped... Who's the other $7,800, $7,900 guy? Bramlett. Bramlett. You you skipped that entire range. You got one pivot with Matt Wallace, who you made reason on why you like him, designated events versus weaker field. Just one a month ago, too, by the way. Yeah, on on top (laughs) of that, yes. These guys in the field, except for Raman Finau. Yeah, and probably tougher conditions in reality. So, like, just in general, like, just go through it all. That's examples of that. And then you land on Higo and Hoygaard, who are two guys that we both liked. So this, This kind of reeks of a European tour event anyway. Like well, with, the, it's, with the strength of field? Strength of field. I was just saying, exactly. That's why I said that's normally a bigger factor than people will give it credit for, right? The, the, they don't look at that stuff necessarily and wonder how people can get a price difference on a guy and say why they think someone is actually rated out better in their stuff, not because of models and all that, just in general, but looking at what, what they usually go up against. And your example of Matt Wallace is a perfect one. No one's playing Pendrith, right? No, definitely not. He's $1,500 too expensive in this field for how he's playing. Like yeah. he's, is it just he made the President's Cup team, so people think that he's really good? Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing like 5 to 8% ownership on him. Which is, is probably even still too high for what his price is. I get that now he's a pivot yeah. in this range where no one's going to use him, but he's been god-awful. He's been really bad, but I mean, this would be a good spot for a bounce back, I think. We say that every week. Yeah, I don't know, but he, I, he never bounces back. He just finishes 70th every week. So he's never going to bounce back. Maybe not. He's, he's maybe, done. He's, maybe he's just not good. Just one problem. Get on TSN with Graham Dillette. Well, at least Graham Dillette had back problems. Yeah, he had a reason. Yeah, like, I think, and he was once really good. But we want again. You're going with your if you, if people. It's funny though because if people are going to go with their narrative, I mean, he can bomb it out there. He can, but even when you look at his like driving distance gained in this field, like he's behind Sh Kim and Sung Yul No and Steven Yeager. Yeah. Like it's not like he's fifth. I, I mean, I'm not advocate. I definitely he's like behind Higo in driving. I, I like Benny Ann. I like Rogers. I like McNeely. I like all those guys better. Again, if you're looking for a pivot or a different type of roster construction, he's the guy I think you can still go to in here and just hope that it's a bounce back week versus doing it down low. Sure. But okay. Let, let's say these, I mean, maybe this is a bit different, but like Mav isn't being owned at all either. So you can go Mav or Pendrith as your preferred pivot in the 9K range. Yeah, I'm taking Mav. That's what I said earlier. Yeah, I'm going to take Mav, too. I mean, I don't want to take Mav because he's also been awful. Like, the only reason he makes cuts is because he gains nine strokes putting. Like, that's it? Yeah. I just, I think Ben Ann is the answer. Ben answer. Ben, the Ben answer. But I I know he's going to be double or potentially triple if these guys get super low. Let's just say double the ownership. The the question is still what you see Rom coming in at, but that's what I'm saying. That all pulls from. But you have Rom, Finau, Clark, which we know is true. Probably Woodland. Some steam on Hoygaard. After that, a little bit of drop-off. I would say Rodgers and Ann are next, but that's my point. Like, Ann at 15%. Do whatever you want. 
If people are worried about that, they're lost. Like, it's just simple. You put whatever you want on him at that. He's 15% owned at 9100 bucks. If you like him, play him. There should be no decision that, oh, I need to pivot to Alex Noren because of this. We, we had this conversation last you week. Don't, you don't have wrong. You don't have to do it. Like, you're also allowed to play both. That's where people get into a thing. Like, we talk about in a vacuum or in a matchup bet when you have Ann versus uh, Pendrith. Well, or sorry, let's use Ann versus Noren. It's an easier one. Noren is half the ownership. And Noren can putt well, the power threes, things like that. There's reason you could make a case that he's this year's version at a more expensive price of a guy like a Ches Reeve from last year or something like that. And he just comes through. Would it surprise you if Alex Noren was top five on Sunday in the mix? It wouldn't surprise me. My point is that's where people say, oh, I have to go to him then. I can't, why would I play Am when I can just play him? But you have to pick six guys. <laughs> You, you are allowed to play both. That you and I, How many times do you and I have on this very show a conversation where we go back and forth, this guy versus that, this guy, I'll bet you 100 bucks straight up, boom, boom, bang. And the answer is The both. answer was to play both of them. Yeah. Well, that could be the answer right here. We're saying it. So, funny enough, Alex Noren's initials are an acronym for Ann. Ben Ann, Alex Noren, double Ann's. Play them. Easy stuff. Yeah, that's the answer. Put them both in. How many people do you think just sorted by driving distance and made their picks? Uh, I mean, that's horrible if you do that this week, but I think. Do you think that people did that? I, I think people are building them. I just, the only reason I say it's horrible is because I think that's, like I said, when you go back and look at the leaderboard or even just, it's a one-time thing, first of all. Second of all, again, of course, that is what it has is length, but it looks like two, I don't know, it's just so tough when you look at it. If you go back and look, all I'll say is there was a bunch of other guys in there that have no driving distance that were in the mix. And also, if long irons are more important to me than anything, like if you're, okay, Rom has his shot in. Ches Reeve has his shot, and if Ches Reeve's more dialed with his long irons this week, it doesn't matter that he's 30 yards behind him or 40 yards behind him, whatever. If he's going that way, obviously over time it plays out better. You want the guy like Rom, but that's why there's a price discrepancy. That's why we play a salary game. There's definitely options down the board that I'm going to ignore that completely. Let's take a look at last year's leaderboard then, just to put that yeah. into some perspective. And you know this better too than me. Like you're always the best at remembering this stuff, but like you know who's got the distance and who doesn't. Tell me some of the guys on the leaderboard from last year that you're like, that guy doesn't have any distance, and he was still in the mix. Lipsky? Mm-hmm. Lashley? Reevy? Reevy was 13th, by the way. Finished 13th. Finished 13th. Yeah. And he was the only player inside the top 15 who lost strokes off the tee. Of that, but he lost three and a half, and he was just amazing. He must have chipped in 80 times. Yeah, gained, we could look that up. That's what I was wondering, he too. Gained, like, he, gained yeah. a, he gained 2.5 strokes around the green. He and Finau were the only ones, and Aaron Wise, over two strokes gained around the green. Uh, Kadiro was 15th. John Bird was 15th. Uh, and I can just look it up of who actually gained in terms of driving distance. Let's see. Fairways and greens. Let's click on that one. See how that loads up. Driving distance. Finau actually lost distance to the field last year by a slight margin. Lipsky gained. Lipsky outdrove Tony Finau last year. But Rom, Rom and Cameron Champ were like far and away. The best two in terms of distance. Yeah, Re- Reevee gained almost four with the putter, but his approach was dialed. But it, then... it was pretty good. But yeah. Rom, Champ, and Rogers were one, two, three in driving distance. They came first, sixth, and tenth. Right. Kitayama was seventh in driving distance. He came in second. Brandon Wu, Aaron Wise, Martin Trainer, and Davis Riley were all inside the top fifteen in driving distance, and they all finished inside the top eleven. So there was a pretty big. It was a. It is a big disruption. Now, now, my point is, like I said, when people go off a one-year sample, and that's just how it shook out. And then if you count the rest of the board, we do this all the time. You can do it for any event, I know. But the point is, is like one stroke this way, one stroke that way, and the it, board's flipped, and that's not the conversation. That's my main point. Is it's not. Is it important? We know it's important. It is. Could it be a little bit overvalued here when there is other things that you can look at? 
Absolutely. And again, can, some of these guys just do everything well, and that's part of the plan too, Rom. Uh, yeah, when, when it's Rom, I think you can throw that one out. I think right. when you're looking for the rest of the collection, what yeah. was their commonality, it does seem to be distance. But you also have like Callum Terrence, 61st. Wyndham Clark, 67th. I mean, dude couldn't make a putt all week, but he drove the hell out of the ball. Yeah. I, I, that, that's all I'm thinking when I go look at it. Again, you could see it flip completely, but at the end of the day, there is other stats to look at and bring into play here. And if they have all of it, all of it, then even better. That's great. It, it really, this week is going to come down a lot to game theory and roster construction like it does most weeks. But for this week, it seems pretty standard how a lot of these ROM lineups are setting up and who's going to, it's clear in a way who's going to be the highest owned, And that sets the tone for what you're going up against. So you're not using ROM in high stakes? Uh, like I said, I'll be underweight everywhere, ROM. And the main, like I said, I think I'll, the main reason is if I got 30% ROM and MME, people could say what they want about it. I don't care. It's worked. For, these strategies have worked for me plenty over time. I'm comfortable with them. I'm saying I'm if I've got all my 3 to 5% owned guys at the bottom at 15 to 20% owned, I want some of those to be with ROM because if I hit my dudes down low that I was willing to take a stand on and then ROM does go out and do this thing by five strokes... I might, ha- I might still have that combo. But if I don't, I'm okay with it. And then I also have a majority of my lineups fading the thought of Rom doing that in general. So I'm more than okay with that for this week. Some will lock him. Some will completely fade him. It's all how you choose to play it. It, it really depends. So I want to build a Wyndham Clark lineup, starting with him. Here's the issue once you start getting down to Wyndham Clark. And, I mean, it, you even see it with Finau a little bit. But it's not so bad with Finau because Finau is obviously an excellent player. But with Wyndham Clark, is there even a reason to go balanced this week? Like, what does that really gain you over using a Fina or ROM, I guess is my question. I mean, pretty good lineups. Here's, can, here's an example but, of a lineup that just smashed our original projected lineup. Wyndham Clark, Jaeger, Gordon, List, and Bramlett, and it lands you on Ben Martin. Smashes our lineup. by The original by 25 points, the second version by 13. And it's not even coming in as much higher ownership because, again, my point is the minute you drop the 40, per, the 40 to 50%, whatever you think ROM comes in at, I'm going to say 45 plus in MME. And if you say like something like the $20 or whatever, the $5, and then if you look at Finau coming in next in line at 28, not only do all the, remember, the higher you think those go, the more that pulls off some of these guys that we're talking about here. But we just did it where those ROM lineups can end up. We had a ROM, Steven Yeager with List or Gordon, pick your poison for one of those two. You only get two of them, mind you. But now we've got Martin, Bramlett, List, Gordon, Yeager, and Clark. Yeah, Clark's high-owned. Yeah, Jaeger's high-owned. Gordon's high-owned. But you don't have Rom or Finau. You don't have the lineup construction that goes into the low sevens at all. No 6K guys. You're not looking for it down there. Doesn't mean it will work, but it's just an example of what you can do. And then you can make your pivots within those as well if you want to sort of de-chalkify it, if you will, some. But in general, just to show it off, that that's what you can do when you go to Wyndham Clark. Between Gordon List and Bramlett, who do you like the most? Want to do a list here again? Yeah. All right, let's go uh, List. Bramlett, Gordon. All right, so let's get rid of Gordon and Ben Martin. Use Higo and Batia. Does that work? I mean, yeah, it leaves us a bunch of money. It leaves us $800 left over. We can get, oh, we almost could have got up from Jagger to Ben Ann. Well, let's try that. Let's just get off Jagger here for a second. Okay, we go Jagger to Ann, and we need 100 bucks somewhere. Okay, so if we go Jagger to Ann... And you need 7,400, right? Uh, we just need someone. So we need 100 bucks. What if we just play Novak instead? Ooh. At 7,300. It's actually not bad. Instead of Batia? Yeah. But Batia is probably going to win. Yeah. But you bet him. He'll be good. <laughs> yeah, that's a, I suppose you're right. But this is, I mean, look at this lineup. It, it's a two 9Ks, an 8K, and three sevens. 
It does not have Gordon or Jaeger, which are the two popular guys in the middle. So yes, it will project a little bit less because those guys really pop, but it also is a Clark and lineup to start things off. That's pretty unique and it's still solid on paper. The ownership is way lower now that you've added in a Novak, even like a, a guy like Higo is not going to get very much, even though more people are mentioning him this week. It's just not possible with what's around him, where the squeeze plays come in at. So, uh, And he's actually the pivot here at 8,300 off of Steven Yeager in that case. Could you go three nines, Higo, and then two sixes? Let's try it. Let's take you a list. Bramlett, Novak, who's the other nine you want? Clark, Hoygarden, and with Higo. Yeah, it leaves us 6,700 who we liked somebody at 6,700 before, but... Well, I like Carson Young at 66. Let's do 66, because then it gets us to pick our $6,800 guy. And our $6,800 guy... Could Mar- be Martin Trainer for you. Martin Trainer for me. I, I see Kevin Tway there for you. Yeah, he's there. Dad, Dad loves that guy. Brent, g- Brent Grant is there. Carson Young. People like Brent Grant. Yeah, Brent Grant is... What did... Uh, somebody was... He's in the tidbits this week. Somebody had him pegged. I forget who it was now. Damn, I forget it. But they, they said it was like, uh, I forget if they used him. I think it was Ben Taylor was like, had very similar statistics to Rom. I think it was at PGA Tout. John, solid guy. Always has the best articles out early every week. Awesome dude. He had... Better a, than mine? Nobody, nobody reads your articles anymore, Pat. They, they are here to watch you on the show. Untrue. I see the metrics on my articles. And how do they compare to the podcasts and shows? Oh, it's more. Yeah. It's, oh. an, it's an article. People like articles? I don't know. I hate people articles. People just Google pics and it comes up. That's true. People, yeah. don't, people don't Google pics in the podcast. SEO Pat up. over here. I forgot. Yeah, so, so sorry to tell you. I mean, I watch your shows. I don't read your articles. I'm sorry. But uh, back to it. It was Ben Taylor, I believe, was similar statistics and metrics, talking metrics, to John Rahm. But it was Brent Grant, I think, was similar to Patrick Rogers. And any type of course that sets up well for Patrick Rogers could, I think he said, quote, unquote, shamelessly set up well for Pat, for, for, um, who are we just talking about? Ben? Brent Grant. Brent Grant. So just using those two guys, but Brent Grant seems like he'll be a little bit of love, get a little bit of love down there at 6,800. Okay. So Clark Hoygaard and Higo Carson Young, Martin Trainer. For your version. For my version. Yeah. I like that. And I'll, I'll sub out Martin Trainer and put in Kevin Tway for my version. Just for your dad? Shout out dad. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. It, it projects 10 points better. I don't know why they like Tway so much more, but... Either way, it's fine. Both those guys. I do like the fact that you're not going to Toasty there and you're not going to or Tosty. I'm not sure. Tosty. If you're not going to him, then uh, you kind of have you're you're surrounding him, right? You've got uh, you got Tway and Young just above him. I should say not surrounding him. You mentioned Rogers. You like him? Yeah, I do. Okay. He's another guy. That's where I'm saying. Like, again, he'll get some love for sure, but. Can you just play him when you're not playing the guys up top? That That's another reason why the, the ROM underweight, or if you want to take a more direct stance, just go off it to have some fun with it this week. I think that's kind of the stance is if you can do that, there is a lot of guys that I think are playable here. I do think, again, this is not rocket science, but the winner is up here. Like it, it's 8,500 or above is probably the winner. Maybe 8K and above and you extend. That seems obvious. I know, I get it. We know that's where the odds lean. My point is though, is that's why I'm more apt to play these guys and take my stands down low. Going back to DraftKings, talking roster construction, I do want to flip-flop a lot on these guys up here and get more exposure to the individual. I call them unique prices. None of them have the same price, right? Except for Higo and Wu. 82, I guess 8,300 and down is where you start getting into the same price where you can pick between Higo and Wu, or you can play both. But in general, I like to mix and match these guys up top because the 2v2s get pretty tough. It, it does seem like Rodgers is going to be the second most popular. I guess Clark. Clark, Woodland. And, Clark, and Woodland, Rodgers are similar and probably Hoygaard right behind. Benny Ann right there too. 
So then that leaves us with Pendrith, Norin, Hostler, I like Put- Bo. Putnam, and uh, Grio, actually, and Smalley are there as well. Any takes on them? Because I, I have no feel for... I, d- I, I would say Smalley. Yeah, Sm- Smalley did well here last year, too. I actually like... Uh, maybe we could set this lineup up. I was going to say there's three guys I like there, and they're all kind of just because of the squeeze above them. They're kind of coming in at just that mid-tier range of 10 to 15. Not sure where they'll land, but Aaron Rye, Bo Hostler, and Alex Smalley. And that forces you to sort of skip. I'll see where we can go from there, but let's just have a quick look. If I go Smalley... Rye Hostler. And again, why I'm doing this is because what's not in there. Now you're not probably getting to Ron Murphy now. Right. And you're also skipping pretty much unless you want to just land there. I mean, you could also do this, Pat. I think this is too balanced, but you could land on Hostler, the... Rye, Smalley gives you 8,000. You could do that. I think it's List, Bramlett, and Jaeger fits in. It does. Yeah. So it's you could do that, but my point was trying to get away from that seventy-eight dollars to $8,200 range where we know a lot of lineups are landing in there. And you're just hoping for the landmine to be in there. And that can affect all, even if someone's all in on ROM, what if 30% of the ROM lineups have Steven Yeager in it now, right? They, if they, if someone's 100% ROM, this is pretty obvious stuff, math guys. But if you have 100% ROM and you have 30% Yeager, 30% of your lineups are dead the minute Yeager misses the cut as chalk or whatever you say, if that happens. So that's my point where those can all die quickly, where you can just get to different roster constructions and leverage up that way, where even if ROM ends up winning, less combinations could be in the mix. So. so you can have Hostler, Ryan, Smalley as your start. Then you can go Batia, Novak, and if you wanted to. Yeah. I like Batia, Novak. I don't mind that. I did, I did bet both of them to win. Maybe I should have just bet the non-ROM market, but I'm greedy. So I don't, I don't I like the non-ROM market as much. I just I think, mean, the, here's the thing. Just figure it, it out. Just take it, the number. Well, and... if you're betting the non-ROM market, Shouldn't I just be betting John Rom? That's what they say. That's part of it as well. <laughs> like there is the, again the that's what I said earlier about the the funny side of this John Rom ownership argument of to Rom or not to Rom is that everything that people would use as the narrative against him can also the be the narrative for him. for him. Yeah, there's literally markets out there in the betting market for non Rom markets. I'm I'm just saying that's where I look at it. Like again, what are the stakes you're playing at? What is the tournament you're in? That matters so much more than people know. It's not, I mean, people say trust the process. A lot of people out there don't even have a process, but if they did, there's still people that have a more casual approach to, oh, this is what I always do. It's worked for me, da, 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 where there's other people playing at different levels, literally simulating out lineups for this field size and this buy-in level, lineups for this field size and this lineup level. A lot of people just aren't going that far with it. That's why I was trying to bring it up off the top that I would have more, I'd be more likely to fade Rom in the higher dollar, smaller field where he's, yeah, you're going with the crew, but they're likely a bunch of those lineups land on similar combinations. I just want to try and leverage the whole field quick. It'd be nice if there was like a series out there where I could figure out my strategy for each of these levels and size of my tournaments. Is that something that potentially could be out there? Could be. Could be? Yeah. Okay, good to know. I might want to like consume that. Maybe an article and or podcast form. Who knows? <laughs> I might have to get you to do the article. <laughs> me to do the, Even though you trump me in both fields, I would still have it set up that way because I don't like doing the articles. That's one thing about me. Oh, the articles suck. Yeah, but they're key. They're awful. They're key. The SEO, man. And, and they push people to the podcast. That's the big thing for them. Yeah, there's no doubt. Maybe I can get chat GPT to write them for me. Yeah, I think you actually can. Oh, good. I'll just do that and I'll like, <laughs> put in some jokes. and tell. I think you can tell it. I think you can prompt it, as they say, to give it a Pat Mayo flair. And they're like... Pull your other articles. I mean, I do, I do have 14 years of articles to pull from. That's what I mean. So I do it have actually a might be legit. Sample. 
It might be legit. When uh, when Brian and Pete do lols, they get on there sometime and do the stuff with ChatGPT and just mess around. So they don't want to show their search history, of course, which is kind of funny because who knows what the hell they're looking up. But they, I, I, that would be an interesting thing for them to pull this week to see. Like, could they get it to write an article Pat Mayo style? Because there's literally so much history to pull from that well, it should be able to. Picks that lose. That's like number one. Write me an article called Picks That Lose? No, no, just write me a Pat Mayo article. It has Picks That Lose in it. Like that, That's a key component of a Pat Mayo article. Um, stuff that basically I wrote for the last seven years and just like updated the, the trends and like some jokes. I have to update the jokes. The uh, if it had like a line where it was like, see, woo, and it had it in there or something right in there, that's how you know we're, we're all dead soon. We're all dead? Yeah. Skynet's come for us? <laughs> it's over. Did you watch any of The Live? Yes, this weekend I did. Was it as good as it seemed? Incredible, on- but twofold. It's a double-edged sword. Again, like, what did you expect? They are finally bringing golf to Australia. Greg Norman's home. Cam Smith is the damn open champion that took down Rory, the players' defending champion that didn't get to play. Well, not anymore because they played it this year, and he didn't win, obviously, or even get to play. But my point is, everyone went nuts. Like, the, the certain accounts, I won't name them, but, like, the worst ones. And I'm usually not on a hard stance on this, but this was, like, Oh, I thought you said Liv wasn't popular. It's like, no shit, it was popular in Australia. This was incredible, but it was crazy. Like, it was legit but but, this, but this is the case that I, I've been making for like a year now, is that when you get all these teams, you have the Japanese team, and you have the Australian team, and the South African team, like, these are the markets they should be hitting. These are where you should be going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no different. I agree with you. That's what they should be trying to do more so than the other, and if they can pull it off, they did. That was the argument that people were like, where they... We're like, oh, it kind of could have been something to the point you just made. But then they said, well, why did the new schedule come out? They boosted it to 14 events. And there's like all a whole, I think eight of them or nine of them were still in the U.S. It's like, I get why that is. And using some of the courses and things they have and access to. But to your point, that was it. I joked. I mean, it was it was funny. I thought like the Live Golf Adelaide was the closest they've seen to Ryder Cup crowds. And then, of course, Taylor Gooch, who infamously made the Ryder Cup joke when they got the win, when the four aces, while he was still on their team, got the win, set up early there. It was like the the setup actually was like Ryder Cup, and he just dusted the field. He had a rough day three, I should say, not a Sunday, but there, well, it was a Sunday, but day three, but he still got the job done. It was just, you know, the crowds were nuts over there. I, I didn't really, well, I just saw the clips when they popped up, and it looked like people were... It reminded me of the whatever hole it was at the Canadian Open last year. The penalty box hole, mm-hmm. and people were all fired up. Yeah, for, did you see the Chase Kepka hole-in-one? I did, yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. That was, it, it, it's, we see it in Phoenix every year, so n- nothing crazy there. But like you said, to your point, going back to it, I'm trying to sell the business for them. I don't really give a shit. The point is, that is the markets. They should be hitting up. These, uh, these markets are starved for golf. There is a still big name good golf. name golf. Exactly. Big name golfers, big name personalities, people they would have never got a chance to see maybe in some cases. So they love that and they should stick to that. That's a great model for them. Yeah. So, I mean, they run, I mean, the Sunshine Tour obviously runs South Africa, but you, you even have like the Alfred Dunhill and that kind of thing. And you get Louie and Charles, Henny Duplessis, who's no longer on live, <laughs> unfortunately, Henny. my guy. But that's really like the cream of the crop. Even the like field. the marketing angle. Like I know they go every year to the Masters and say, look how much merch they did. And with Liv, all we want to watch is how many people watched it and what are the the, ra- the ratings. But man, they were selling like, I think someone showed it was like $80. I don't know what the, I forget what it is in Australia, what it was, the Australia. currency. Dollars. It's just dollars still. Okay, I forget, couldn't remember how they converted over. But the point is, it was like 80 whatever for the a- shirt. 80 Australian dollars. Yeah, 80 Australian dollars. I, I, I don't know what the conversion is. What does that work to US? Because that's what all everyone Australian watching is, is switching it to. USD. Uh, it's worth it's it's just slightly less than the Canadian dollar. So what is it? So it's like sixty six cents. Okay, so it's eight, like it's like two thirds of an American dollar. Right. So it was probably like a fifty U.S. shirt with just like a cam 
Smith outline with the mullet. And it's just an outline shirt, the most basic screen print thing you could sell. And they were, it looked like they were just flying off the shelves over there. That's my point. Like if they actually wanted to make money, that, they're not going to get rich on t-shirts. But it was literally the one spot that they probably did have solid merch sales. So like you said, if they could stick to that stuff, and then obviously you can bring in more when people over there who just don't seem to care about any of the politics, the back end, the history, where the money's from, etc. Again, not going to make money on t-shirts, but that was just a point saying in the areas they're in, there's a lot they could sell. Sponsorships, ads, things like that. I think they could do a lot better in those markets. Well, I found it was strange for one thing that they're only having one tournament in Australia. You mm-hmm. think they would just go like two? Yeah. Do one Sydney or something like that? They should. Maybe they'll take the hint. I don't know. That, that was always the one thing that people said that people like frowned upon, but it was like, was kind of true is they, their mark, their, what their plan is, their marketing plan is kind of good. If they would just do what they should do is you should take the hints and take all the feedback that you're getting while you're quote unquote, building a new business, if you will, or launching a new brand and use it to make things better. I, I, for one love taking and innovating things that people know are good and then putting them all together and make them better for those that want to consume them. Yeah. So they're going to Singapore next this week. This week. Then they're in Tulsa, then D.C., surrounding the PGA Championship. Yeah. It's not that they shouldn't be in the U.S. market, but there was something exciting about seeing fans be excited about Mm -hmm. the product that you're just not getting at the U.S. events. And I don't necessarily think it's about the politics of the U.S. in terms of how they view live. I think it's that the PGA Tour is also in America, and Mm -hmm. it's a fucking better tour. Yeah. Like it, that, that, it, it, it just boil it down to that. Take everything simple. else out of it. Why would I pay to go see this when I could go drive an hour and go watch the PGA Tour? Right. It's whoever wants to see it is going to go anyway. So that's kind of the point. And the other angle was, lastly, just the thing on what you just said, is that that's the other thing about the, like, remember, oh, this is going to change everything. You know, live coming out, all this stuff. It's going to be more popular because of this. Well, people in America already know about golf and they know it's the PGA Tour. That's the factor you just brought up with the Netflix situation. I know that like we've talked about our shows getting boosted in ratings and golf is more popular. I'm saying it's the Netflix effect. Maybe some, sure. People watched Full Swing. I get it. I'm saying it's not revolutionary like with F1, but that the difference with F1 was that was kind of bringing a market that had never really been brought over or understood and making it layman's terms and easily understandable for the North American market in general. And now that's why those events are popping off and have lots of people going to them and whatnot. All right. Mexico Open. We're back. <laughs> Vacation season's over. Yeah. Wells Fargo next week. Exciting. That's a better tournament. It's an elevated event, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, designated event with big prize pools. Poor, and... poor Raw, man. He's going to have to skip one of these soon. Guy's playing a lot of golf. Yeah, probably this one. Is he? No, I'm talking about this week. Probably Friday afternoon when he leaves on a plane. Yes, possible. What is the Raw miscut number? There's no way he misses the cut, right? He, he hasn't missed a cut in forever, and he is... I think his worst is like 29th or like 30th or something. You'd have to look it up. But. Make miss cut. Rom is, <laughs> Rom is six times as likely to win than miss the cut, according to the odds. Plus 1,200 to miss the cut. It's just betting markets, Pat. There's no motivation factor cooked in there. This guy has got to get out of here, man. Like, come on. Yeah, but he won't. Like, I, I do think this tournament is meaningful for him as, it is. as the best Spanish language player in the world to build this event up. Him coming is a big deal. Huge. I know that he's not from Mexico. He's from no. Spain, but 
Uh, it matters back. to him too. And I know, and listen, we just had, I know you're on vacation. I'm sure you caught most of this stuff. You stay pretty in tune with things, especially pop culture, golf, etc. But you just looking at it, he had the conversation around, why would I not? It was almost seemingly, uh, you know, Kenny's talked about this plenty with the shots with him at Rory. Remember earlier when it was the conversation, hey, if you want to talk to them, there's two guys you talk to. Rory Tiger, not me. He was kind of had a chip on his shoulder from that. Well, last week when Rory WD'd his second designated event. Cost him three million bucks. Yeah, it's it's a fine they're calling it. We'll see what a little J slips under the table. But Rom had said, and, and two things, Rom said, why would I do that? There's people that are literally here. There's dads here, he said, with their, with their kids to see me play. Probably some moms too, John, but just so you know, but just saying it, you know, got to be politically correct. But he said that, and that's kind of a shot at Rory. Like, why would I skip an event? I'm the Masters champion. They want to see me. And I don't know if you saw this. This is a second note on it. But did you get any of the ROM in the booth? He literally stuck around for half an hour and talked through these guys' shots down the stretch in the booth on CBS. Incredible stuff. Like, I know how often you get a world number one top player in the world type guy that actually has a bit of a personality. I mean, I don't know how well Scotty would do in the booth. I'm sure it would still be interesting, but we know what Scotty is. It's just, he's an incredible golfer, not the best personality as we saw on the Netflix documentary, but John Rahm in the booth, did you see any of that stuff? Was that at Heritage? I believe it was at Heritage, yes. I watched, it, I watched the end of it without sound. I got a cabana so it could have nice. a TV in it yeah. so we could sit around and watch it. It's not like, you know, got you got to go back and watch this. Who gives a shit? I'm just saying. But, but was it, he good? It, very good. And it was just incredible to hear him talk through the stuff. I mean, it's what you expect. It's an elite golfer going through what he does for a living, but explaining it. But man, it just shows, I guess it's hard because they do bring past golfers in, but man, it's just a, a different flair when you're bringing someone who's in the mix literally just played this tournament who was out there this afternoon finishing T19 or T15 or whatever it was now hop in the booth and explain what's happening down the stretch we've seen it with Homa as well do it like it, it's just that we've seen uh, Justin Thomas be in the booth before and at the match and things like that these guys some of them are entertaining it's just unfortunate. I mean they're not getting in the booth when they're literally the best golfers in the world sure I remember Phil did it yeah at- we always said that about Phil I forget what it was but yeah I forget where I forget where it was it was him Faldo and Nance it was at a major I think and there was like a delay. He was already finished, so he jumped in the booth. Yeah. Like when I think it was at a PGA Championship, and he was fucking incredible. Yeah. It was it, like it's this. Uh, I could see. That's what I mean. But it's, it's like most of them have. He's like, oh, am I going to do that, or am I going to get two hundred million dollars from Live? We just talked. Well, about you know, like, I understand yeah, that sure. part. Of it, it is but what like, it is. It's just, but it, it sucks. But, but incorporating aspect. some of these guys into the broadcast, I think, only enhances the broadcast if they're willing to do it. Yeah. And I think that most of them. I mean, at the Masters, Rory got the uh, the AirPod in, and he was talking. Yeah. After he uh, said he would never do it, that maybe get maybe that's it because Wiley, Jeff, and I—I I mean, I released a show yesterday. Yeah, the most important golfer rankings. The MIG, the MIG. Well, it stands for the MIG rankings. Most important golfer. Yeah, there we are. Yeah, like who are the needle movers? And one of the ways that you can become a needle mover is just you need like these guys don't. Well, you see them all the time. Only a few of them you ever get to learn like what their personalities are or on the course traits. And the Netflix series was was designed to do that, but it didn't actually do it for anyone. It just made them like the most boring versions of themselves somehow. Might have helped Damon and Finau a little bit. That's a little bit. Say. But like you get get you know Finau's out of this tournament or whatever. Or he's he has an early Sunday tea time. Get him in the booth. Yeah. I think they should. I definitely agree. That was part of it. I mean, Rom doing it after coming off of everything that he just... Yeah, winning the Masters. Winning the Masters, doing all that. And then, like, it's time to go. Like, get out with your family. But he said his flight wasn't until the next day, so I guess that's part of it. But just him willing to do it was awesome. He was incredible in the booth. All these guys could be or, or are. JT, when he... I don't know if you saw this one, too, but when he put the thing in... Um, at the Masters? I forget where it was. It was now. at the Masters in the morning. And then he missed the cut, right? Yeah. He goes, oh, well, you know, guys, I'm just taking it easy. That's a protein shake. It's going to be a long day. No, no not so much. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Sorry, JT. All right. 
Did you, do you have any take on who the most important golfers are? Because I think we went Spieth, Ricky, one, two. I mean, D- Ricky still does move the needle for he, sure. He does. Like, imagine if he was good. Yeah. Like, I, that was the whole, like, case in point behind it. Like, if if one of them could win a major this year, like, any golfer, like, who would people tune in to watch win that major? Spieth is probably, I think Spieth is number one. Yeah. And I think Ricky, if Ricky was just in contention at a major, people would be like, oh, my God. Well, you saw, I mean, Spieth at RBC Heritage. Same thing. There was like big most, numbers, most watched big, big, big numbers. Big numbers. Was there. It was Speeds in the mix down the stretch. He's still that guy. I don't know where, where, like I didn't get to listen to that one yet. I'm going to, obviously I listen to all these shows, but like the JT spot, where did you put him? I don't think we had JT on the list. Yeah. See, I think I don't, he's, I don't think he the only reason either. I think he's starting to move the needle a little bit more is because of his relationship with Tiger. And as it becomes a little bit more to the forefront, I, again, putting up with Spieth and Ricky, no, not, not even close. I'm just saying the fact that now he's got a couple of majors, he's won enough tournaments, people have seen him on these spots, he does get on the mic or in the booth at times, on the match, things like that. But mainly, anybody close to Tiger, notice that Spieth and Ricky, pretty close to Tiger as well. Anyone well, they're not, they're not close. Tiger, Tiger had, to be, had to be taken off the list because the answer is Tiger. No, Tiger no, and Phil are one I'm, and I'm two. I'm talking about relationships. Oh, yes. Yeah, Spieth, sure. Ricky. I mean, Ricky especially was always pretty close to Tiger. Remember the, the classic players meeting? Ricky and Tiger rolling up the two dudes, and that was when Ricky had no form. Like, what the hell is Ricky still doing in the mix here? But at least he still gets to hang out with Tiger. Now he's kind of getting his, getting his stuff back together. But yeah, I, I think that's one thing I would look at. Who were some of the guys after Spieth, Ricky that you had? I think Rory was three, and someone actually made this comparison. I thought it was pretty good. Spieth is like Steph, and Rory's like LeBron at this point in time. That's a good one. Like, LeBron is just baked in. Like, are there big... I mean, I guess there has to be. But do you know anyone who's like, man, I love LeBron? There's people like, I love Steph. Because Steph is fun. Oh, there's definitely people that love LeBron. No, I understand that there's people who love LeBron. There's not the same sort of excitement for LeBron as there is for Steph. Like, Steph is... Yeah. Just... Like, even LeBron being in Space Jam. Like, he's just great. But I don't know. I don't know. I still think uh, he's I mean, just, I, he's ingrained as being really good, but he's not exciting anymore. Was that the argument between like putting Rory below Spieth? Because I still feel like Rory moves the needle quite a bit too. Regardless, well, he was number three. Going. He was and, number three, and because but, Rory's worldwide, like Rory's big when they go overseas. Rory's big, sure. When it's in the U.S., Spieth is still big everywhere too. I'm just saying in general, it does feel maybe, like maybe that's a better way to look at it. Rory's more of a global brand, where Spieth is just a very American, North American brand. But after we we, we, yeah, we recorded that prior to the Masters, I'd probably bump Rom up a little bit higher at this point. But I think it's very clear that I think we had Brooks at number four, and it's still Brooks. He might be even higher. People care about Brooks Kepka. They definitely do. <laughs> yeah, people are like, yeah, people are tweeting at him, being like, you can come back. Brooks. You come back like, anytime you want, Brooks. We'll take, we, yeah. we miss you, Brooks. <laughs> like we've got, yeah. Again, the fans do have a say technically. They like can try he, an angle for it, but I don't think it's going to matter. He but yeah. is he is an important golfer. Yeah, it's again what just like anything. To be honest, I think it's all the same for everybody. People have success in business, in DFS, and in like that personalities out there. If you have success in something, typically that translates to a majority of people that are in that space. And the thing with Brooks, the run that he had doesn't go away. But so but, that wh- still keeps the focus. But why doesn't Scotty translate at all? Personality. And again, not not too much extra. Like even though again we talked about this plenty of times, go back to the live thing for two seconds. Personalities are there why does reed translate still why does phil translate still? Say bryson still like bryson still bryson, does bryson seems absolutely lost he's but if lost. all of a sudden bryson was in the mix at the u.s open people would be like oh shit is bryson gonna do this like they would care if, they'd probably be tuning in to root against him Maybe. but that's still a reason to tune in it's they have a they have a piece that ties to their brand right they've got something that goes with that and, and with brooks Maybe it's that's a little bit of both they but. have a brand that's definitely what it is and the thing what rom is now building as his brand is being like a for the people 
incredible golfer. When you put both those together and you and you're doing both those, it's almost Homa-esque in the sense of where like what Homa's brand is. He's always been there for the people to be funny, laughing, joking, but then like, why don't you play better? And he's like, I, I should play better. That's my new thing. Like positive vibes only. I have to play better. Go out and do it. And then what did he do? Goes on an epic run. And now he's literally one of the best golfers in the world, probably top 10 right now, if you, if you put him up there. So yeah, I, I think he's like number six in the world. On that, those rankings. Uh, on the world rankings. But I'm saying, sure. like, in general, if you're classifying it out, we yeah, can always up and down, guys. Yeah, he's like, definitely it, up there it, to like, me. If I, if I was to rank everyone in the world, like, power rank all the golfers, yeah, he'd be, like, fringe top ten. Yeah. I think when we're back into that range of, like, would you rather be Max Home or Justin Thomas? Where did he make uh, Where did he make it on the MIG rankings? I think he was, like, nine or ten. Okay. So he's getting, he's going to, we know he's getting good pit money this time around, so. He's going to get, maybe he will, maybe he won't, I don't know, but he needs a contender to like he just seems <laughs> like he's like the king of the i don't want to say he's charlie hoffman-esque because he's better oh than him that. and sam burns right now for sure both those guys both have a bunch of wins locked up some pretty solid win like i know burns biggest one was recent and was with the match play and before that people said, ah, it was like he got a bunch you of know, wins you know what they are they're in the horschel zone yeah pretty much like horschel has a bunch of wins Jess won memorial recently like yeah, won the match play last year he won at wentworth like he has legitimately big he won the fedex cup that's true. He huge he, he's got even bigger because of that. True, it's that. But, but he's not going to be. But no what's one, his brand though? Either like, what's his brand? Being an asshole. Being a dick. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So it kind of sucks. Is, that, which is a brand. But like, definitely. when you think about like, has Billy Horschel ever contended at the Masters over the past fifteen years? No. Right. Like, when was the last time you remember? Has he ever contended at a major? <laughs> ever? I remember backwards hat that crazy windy open. Yeah, I remember he made a run at Chambers Bay. It's very rare though. But he wasn't like in the mix. He was like one of those guys that had played poorly and then like. Worked his way back. Like, classical Louis kind of thing. Where it's like, he was kind of out of it, but at the end, like, you look at the leaderboards, like, oh, shit, he was in third. Well, again, so that's another brand, Louis. Convert those seconds to first. Totally different story. Totally different story. Just like my uh, gambling accounts. (laughs) Convert a few of those seconds to first, and all of a sudden, I have money. The Louis Ustazen of of golf betting. Of golf betting. But, yeah, I'm just trying to think of anyone else. Like, I kind of theorize that Scheffler kind of needs to go on a tiger run. In order to like be taken, like his his thing needs to be that he never loses. There's like, that. Like that's his only angle here. I mean, that was Tiger's whole thing. Tiger had no fucking personality. Just he beat the shit out of everyone. That's what I mean. So again, remember where Rom starts from. Like everybody has a start. I mean, oh, like look how lucky they are. Look how good. Like again, they were how good they are. Whatever. Like good helps for sure. But Rom started as like the fiery need to speak to a therapist that also diffuses bombs so I can get my shit under control type personality and then goes out and starts winning like crazy and now he's picking up green jacket it's second major I I made I mean someone's looking for bold takes a couple weeks ago and you can do you can do it two ways I got him for the career grand slam over Jordan and Rory and I got him for five majors over Rory and Brooks and the odds are obviously all tilted in the favor of both as they should those other things happening but I'm just telling you I really truly believe it it was a I think it was the the podcast that Colt Nost and uh, Sleazy Man do, where it was like they talked to Pat Perez, and Pat Perez is like, this dude is dead serious, Rom. He's talking about going out and winning the most majors. And it's hard to do in this day and age and everything that's going on, how good the players are and everybody that's out there. It's not really the same as when you go on a Tiger run back in the day when people weren't even working out and Tiger was, <laughs> like things like that. But I really think it's going to be something special. And it's not something crazy to say. We're talking about John Rom here, but to your point on Scotty, didn't really have that personality that went with it, kind of came out of nowhere. Is this the, all the conversation? Is this a heater or is he just that good? We know he's just that good. It was just a matter of time, but 
it feels like he's just going to keep winning. What is like, use commercials as an example. Morikawa seems horrible on commercials. Yeah, I mean, we didn't have him in the, inside the but top But he kind of has to be because of what he's won so far, and so that's why he's it, getting it, into them. And he seems like he should be a good person. Like, you hear him talk, he seems pretty jovial. Amazing communication. It just, skills. it doesn't... It like, doesn't jive the personality on a commercial to sell me something. And Spieth did his commercial on that Netflix thing. He's like, yeah, I really don't know shit. Just tell me what to say and go. And he's okay. It was kind of good. And I'm not saying that's what makes you good in that perspective. But, in terms but it of does people, have something. Well, people, sure. I mean, the reason that Ricky is still in like the ether and the reason that people continue to use him in commercials because he's charismatic. Definitely. And it started with, again, with him. The, the thing with Rom with the fiery personality and the stuff on the course and all that. Again, Hatton needs to get some bigger wins to let that translate if he wanted it to. But he kind of gets some Twitter love and stuff like that with the white pants and shitting himself and all those things. But Ricky with the clothes and the hair and the dirt bikes and all that stuff coming in and then the story of how it all plays out. He actually didn't even do shit and his personality's that good and he's just making heaps, but he's charismatic. Like you said, it plays out in the commercials. It plays out in the public eye and there's 40-year-old men and up wearing orange gear to these events for Ricky. Yeah, the, the only ones on the list that we had that like aren't stars, like Tom Kim was up there. Um, he's a star. You mean he's no, not, I'm teasing. He's not, I mean, it's, everyone says he's obviously the, ne- the next star. It's just his potential to be a huge star. Definitely. Same as uh, Thigawa. Like, if Thigawa won a major or won, like, three tournaments <laughs> in a year, he'd be like, oh, shit. You talk about, uh, like, almost like, I, I don't know, this probably is cra- crazy or terrible, but, like, Rom and Ricky, like, Thigawa can get fired up and get pissed off, and then he also has swagger, so much swagger, like, Ricky style of the, the charismatic, but then he also has situations like at the uh, Phoenix Open where he showed his emotions and literally cried in his parents and his mom's arms and things like that. People, like, that's real. He's a real human. That sucks, man. He almost won. Yeah. And, and he lost, and, and it sucks. And to look at it, almost from that Rory perspective as well, when you have Tom Kim and you have the Gala, not only do you have the American brand that can go along with it, because they could be big stars in America, they also have that built-in global brand that goes along with it, too, if they're really good. Yeah, and I meant, sorry, I meant Rom Ricky, if I didn't say it, but that's yeah. like, again, he's got some, some swagger. He gets it's, fired uh, up. He's charismatic and he also has the rom where he gets actually fired up and he's just good like thigala is just super swaggy love that guy i think he's an incredible player all right now we'll do it pat mayo experience we're back like i said maybe draft stuff later in the week i have to confirm with cust see if he's like ready to process his emotions yet mm-hmm. now that he <laughs> claims he doesn't see a loss on the jet schedule do you I definitely do, but <laughs> give Cus some credit. This is this is good, man. This is it's, definitely it's, good. It's, it was, yeah, it's gonna be great. Well, well, I don't know. You guys are gonna talk about it. You probably already did on other shows, but do you think do we see like a Russell Wilson 2.0, or do we think Rogers with Garrett Wilson is gonna be an awesome thing? Speaking of another Wilson, where you just get a nice connection. He's got some other options there, and it just turns out to be good because the Jets had a little bit going for them last year until they didn't. Yeah. So, so do you think it's going to be, I guess the best question was the first one. Do you think it's like a Russell Wilson situation or do you think Rogers still brings the goods out of his darkness retreats and things that he's doing? Is it still going to be legit? I think they're going to be good. Okay. I think they could win the division, okay. but it's a tough division. Like Buffalo's obviously still very good. No matter what it's My, tough, Miami exactly. seems a lot better. Like yeah. they've actually like revamped their defense. And if two, I mean, that hinges on if Tua can come back or not and like play well again. Like, he's one hit away from never playing just again. Just slide, buddy. Just slide. Like, God. But even some of it's not even, like, the, I remember the Cincinnati game. Yeah. Like, he couldn't even slide out of it. He just got true, dropped on his true. head. Yeah, that is true. So. They had to bulk up the line in the draft a little bit here. They got a, a few concussions to worry about. Only two that they actually can make note on, but one definitely looked I, I, I did. I did appreciate that he said he was taking judo lessons, so he knew how to fall properly. Okay. I mean, whatever works, right? As he said, he's almost thought about retiring, too, at the same time. So that, that is true. We'll see. At Toteg and Tambo on Twitter. Tidbits are already out. Yeah. Maybe I'll write a newsletter. I don't really feel like doing anything. 
So like vacation modes coming off, ready I, for I'm Wells still, Fargo. Uh, yeah, I need to reacclimate to the time zone. That's fine. This was good. People, people get a show. We got it set up. The tidbits are out there. Drafting or becoming a general manager, we'll see soon. Talk about that in the future. But we got a lot of good things going on, Pat. I'm excited. All right. You follow him on Twitter at ToeTag and Tambo. You follow me at the PME. Sub to FantasyNational.com slash Mayo to get yourself 20% off and run the Sims.com. If you want to get on the uh, the XFL playoffs or the USFL streets, maybe there's uh, some money to be had over there as well with the very top-heavy prize pools. But Run the Sims makes it pretty easy for you to generate those lineups and get the best projections possible. And if you follow Justin, he's actually on top of the actives and inactives because we're still seeing guys that are like 40% owned inactive for the games because that happens when you play XFL and USFL. But thank you all for watching. Smash the like while you're here. Download the podcast, and I'll see you next time. Experience. Experience.